we're going to start uh, just by praying. Um, so it would be one of those prayers where we're praying for the people in our lives, so there'd be little gaps for you. So you think about your life and the people in your life. And um, so each of us, the aim of this is that each of us prays um, as we pray together. So let's go. Father, thank you uh, that we can be here. And if we're not here, that we can participate via live stream. Thank you for our whole church family, wherever we are this morning. Thank you that you've saved us. Thank you that we can know you. Thank you for this life that we have with you. Thank you for the joy that's in our hearts not because of our circumstances, but because of our home assured with you this day and every day and on into eternity. Um, God, we're grateful to be your children and your family. We pray for ourselves, um, God, for our own hearts this morning. We lift up to you the things we know that we've done wrong and ask for your forgiveness. We bring to you, God, the ways that we know that we have wronged other people, and we ask you for the courage uh, to confess to them and to restore relationship. We bring to you the spaces in our lives where um, people have hurt us and we still harbor resentment, we're still angry at them, and we ask you to give us the power to release that and forgive We bring to you, God, the, the discord in relationship around us. We bring to you the, the difficulty that our family members and our neighbours and our friends are having with each other or maybe with us too. And we plead with you, God, in this season for humility and reconciliation and joy in relationships as people take the time to hear each other and come together over Christmas. We bring to you those in our family who don't know you, Jesus, those who are walking away from you or have walked away from you or who never knew you. And we plead with you, God, in this season. Will you show them more of you? Will you help them understand who you really are? Will you give them a fresh revelation of you, Jesus? Will you, will you quicken their soul? Will you stir their spirit so that they can see you more clearly and hear you more clearly and be drawn to your love in this season? God, we pray. We bring to you this world, this country, um, this state, um, um, and this uh, local government area that we're part of. God, in as much as it's in our power, help us to be your uh, light to the people around us. We plead with you for our leaders that, that they would see more of you in this season and be brought closer to you. And that you would bring your kingdom here. God, thank you that you can do all these things. And that we can do none of them. And we recognize that. And we're glad that we can ask you and, and lift these things to you. And know that you have them in your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was speaking to someone this week who was having some, uh, a lot of difficulty in their circumstance. And they said, I can't even pray. Because... All of these things, and they listed them off. And so I'm finding it really hard even to pray. And I was reminded of what one of my uh, mentors had said to me once when I was in that situation, which is, what you just said, that's your prayer. 
you know. God, I can't pray because of this and 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 this. And I don't know what to do because of this and this and this. And it's too hard and it's insurmountable because of this. And well, that's your prayer. And God knows where we're at and we can pray. We can always pray because we're just talking to God about what's real in our lives because God is with us. Last week we looked at that Emmanuel, um, God with us. And maybe you hear that thought, God is with us, and we think, me, I don't know. Sometimes we uh, don't feel like God is with us or even interested in us because we're too broken or we're too sinful or we've repeated the same mistake over and over again. Or maybe we're not as smart as other people are or not as theological as other people are and we might think, I know God's with me, but he's really with that person over there. There's something in this Christmas story that's a great reminder to all of us, from kids to grandparents, something we miss sometimes. And I want to I show you this this morning, around this with us theme. At Christmas, we celebrate an amazing event, a baby born, a baby whose life, death and resurrection would change the world forever. We all know something about the story, something of the importance of the story, but at the time God was actually doing this amazing thing, while the story was actually happening... Who knew? Who knew? Hardly anyone. Seriously, hardly anyone knew. This is the big plan of heaven to rescue humans from death. For thousands of years, God's been promising a savior, a deliverer, um, who will smash death and restore relationship between God and people. And here he is, Jesus, the eternal God, who made you and I and everything else. He's going to put aside his majesty and power And he's going to come and be born as a human, God with us. It was happening. It was happening right there. And God hardly tells anyone. Look, who knew? I mean, you get this sense that heaven is focused on this baby, you know, the wonder of Emmanuel. God humbling himself to be born as one of us, a virgin birth, a miracle. God in human flesh, a baby, the single greatest birth that will ever happen in the history of the world. All of heaven knows they're watching wide-eyed in wonder, but here is crickets. No one knows. Well, no one important anyway. Usually the important people get told things like, uh, when the Queen visited Melbourne once, that's the Queen of England, by the way. We have this assumption when we say the Queen, there's only one ever, but there's lots of monarchies, but... The Queen you know, of England, when she visited Melbourne, nobody told me she was coming. I was only five at the time, and I was in gumboots, you know, in the mud outside a little rented weatherboard out up in the hills of Gormandale. So I guess it's understandable that nobody told me uh, she was coming. And my dad was never much of a monarchist or a queen follower, so he would have been, so what? You know, so I never knew. I looked up the YouTube clip yesterday of that visit and saw all these little kids in their suits running up to the Queen. Like, who could do that now? Just running up to the Queen, giving her flowers. Um, And I don't think I'd ever seen a suit to that point in my life. The point is, no one told me the Queen was visiting because I'm not that important to that process. So back to Jesus. God comes to us in human flesh, the greatest arrival here on this earth, and who does God tell? Hardly anyone. Just a few. First, an angel visits a teenage girl. You're going to have a son. She's like, ah, how? (laughs) Um, God will put him there. And in a dream, an angel visits her fiancé. It's okay. 
God put it there. Hidden there. Stay with Mary. You can read about that in Luke 1. So now two people know, two peasants in a dusty outpost town living under foreign Roman rule. God is growing in human form in a womb and for months and months and months hardly anyone even knows. And then this happened in Luke 2. We'll read this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, Quirinius, how do you say that, was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So this census gets called. Joseph has to go to Bethlehem to register, even though Mary's heavy with child. They get to Bethlehem. She's going into labor. The most important person who's ever about to, who will ever live is about to be born. And all the innkeepers are like, sorry, no room. Because <laughs> I didn't know. Like the hope of mankind is in the womb of a peasant teenager who's still walking the dusty streets looking for someone to give her a room so that she can have her first baby. Uh, Luke 2 again, verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son, a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there's no guest room available for them. Uh, Finally, someone says, no room here, but if you clear out the animal's feeding trough, outside probably... You can put your baby there. Just don't mind the smell and careful where you put your feet kind of thing. So Jesus, the Son of God, is born in a dirty, smelly animal area in a dusty little town. And Mary wraps her newborn baby up and makes the best bed she can out of the feeding trough. See, our Christmas cards are full of pictures and beautiful stables. You know, There's always a light that shines in just at that moment, the sun illuminating the face of this beautiful little baby who is sweet and not crying and not pooey and not, you know, but it wasn't like that. Like even the sheep are smiling in a lot of those spaces. But I don't know if you've ever spent the night with animals, but they don't shower very often and their toilet is just everywhere. And even though our pictures sanitise these scenes, it wasn't like that. It was dirty and confusing. Um, this this um, painting by Gary Melchers is um, closer to the truth probably. The Son of God was born, God in human flesh, the hope of mankind. And who knew? Mary, Joseph and... Well, I mean, all of heaven knew, so there was at least three things that happened when Jesus was born. First, a new star rises in the sky, and some guys in the east, far away from the people of God, like not Jews, not God followers um, at all. They're from another country and culture, and they're studying the stars, and they saw this new star, and they knew that it signaled the birth of a king. So they pack up, and they come and find him. They give him gifts and worship him. You can read about that in Matthew 2. That's the first thing that happened. The star goes in the sky and some foreigners see it and they come to Jesus. The second thing that happened when Jesus was born was that two old Jews who were humble and hungry for God, at Simeon and Anna, they were quickened in their spirit and they knew the Messiah had arrived. So God told them. And the third thing that happened when Jesus was born, that some people got to see heaven explode with the news. 
This happened, Luke 2. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This would have been amazing to see. Heaven open, angels singing. Like you could sell tickets for a thousand shows of that, right? But who got to see it? Like who got to see it? Some guy who's been asleep during the day because he's pulled the night shift on one of the grubbiest jobs in the whole society. He's Seriously, he's a social outcast. And he's just parked out on the hill looking after sheep when all the sane people are asleep. And is he particularly pious or religious? Not really. He's just, he's just that guy with those guys out on a hillside looking after. These are guys are not high on the pecking order. They're not educated. They're not... They're not well-to-do. They're not respected across society. They're not rich. You know, they're just, they're, they're those guys out there on the, on the night shift doing that, doing that, you know, very lower-class kind of work. And they, imagine that, they saw the sky full of angels singing. Glory to God in the highest. Like, this is just for you guys. In Bethlehem, there's a Savior born. And you'll find him in a manger. Just, doesn't that blow your mind that God did all of that for them? So who did God tell? A peasant girl and her fiancé, some weird foreigners, a couple of old Jews and some grubby people who live on the margins of society and they're all awestruck and they're filled with wonder that God would speak to them and involve them and everyone around had no idea that the Son of God had arrived, that this baby would grow up to show us what God is like, to take the punishment we deserve for our rebellion against God when he died on the cross and to smash death forever when he rose again. So... Through him, we could be restored to relationship with God. It was happening right in front of them, and they didn't know. Sometimes we are completely oblivious to what God is doing right in front of us, are we not? He's right here in this room with us, and in your lounge room or wherever you're watching from home. He's right there. Sometimes we don't even know. We think we know what God thinks. We think we can guess what he expects of us and what he'll do, but we don't know. We don't know. I've told you this before. I was a long way from God when I was 18. I'd heard a lot about him, but I had rejected it. I treated myself and other people so badly that I thought God was just angry with me. I decided I just wouldn't think about God because I knew he would reject me. I knew what God thought. I thought I knew, but I didn't, I didn't know. Turns out God can forgive just like that. Who knew? Turns out he wants to. Turns out freedom and life are available unchecked forever. And who knew? It's interesting, isn't it, the people that God chose to reveal the birth of his son to? Why did God pick those people? 
Why at the start of this rescue mission does God call people from a far-off land and those at the bottom of the social ladder, the last people you would expect? It's not, it's not an accident. It's not like God goes, but, um, oh, rats, it's only shepherds. You know? it's, it's deliberate. There's a message in this for us. What is that? Jesus came to rescue everyone. Even me and even you. Everyone. From rich people who live far away from him to poor outcasts who never thought he'd notice them. Everyone. Even Barb, even Riley, even Daryl, even Dave and Janine and me, all of us. Everyone. God is with us. God is with us all. God is with all of us. And my five-year-old gumboots don't stop him. Neither do my 49-year-old sins and heartaches and inadequacies, even in pronunciation, inadequacies and failures and fears. He came to rescue me, even me. He came to rescue you, to bring you home. He's here today. His love for you is as real and powerful now as it's ever been. You know, I meet lots of people who don't trust God, who don't believe. And they don't want to surrender to God for a whole bunch of reasons. And um, I don't pretend to know their reasons or to assess their reasons. I just notice uh, fear, inadequacy, loss of control, pride, a perception of the loss of fun. You know, they think they're going to lose something by trusting in God. And I get that. I just wish they knew. I just wish they could, they could meet this Jesus who came for everyone to give us life and to give us life to the full. Aren't you glad that Jesus came for everyone? That we can all find peace with God and life to the full forever and ever. And in this Christmas season, if you are not experiencing peace with God and life to the full, um, then you can because Jesus came for you so that you could. And it's an offer for you every day because Jesus came for everyone, including you. God with us. God with all of us. Emmanuel, let's pray. Jesus, it's extraordinary and beautiful and mind-blowing that you came for me. And also that everyone I speak to and everyone I know, you came for them. You didn't come just for the rich or for the pious or for the wealthy or for the influential or for the world leaders or for the theologians. Or You came for me. You came for every person. And even though there were people at the time who thought they were closer to you and other people who thought other people were closer to you, you, you gave us this message right from the start. No, no, I am here for everyone. From this nation and other nations. From rich to poor, from lowly to lofty. 
You came for everyone. And God, we're grateful that this message is applicable to all of us and that we can hold out our hands and our hearts um, and our prayers towards all of those around us in this season and know that, yeah, yeah, you came for them too. Um, Thanks, Jesus. Amen.